Hey there, welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. This is a podcast that focuses on fantasy baseball, but it's geared, it's geared to the NFBCs, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, specifically the Draft Champions, hence the name of the, pro- the podcast. My name's Zach, and uh, I have my co-host here, Mike Curlin. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, me at Zach Roto, and then Mike at Mike underscore Curlin. Now, this podcast isn't going to be your typical one that focuses on, focuses on the standard redraft leagues. The draft champion leagues are 15 teams, 50 rounds, no trades, and sometimes no waivers. Like Texas Hold'em is a Cadillac of poker, the draft champions is a Cadillac of fantasy baseball. Don't get me wrong, I play a lot of daily redraft leagues that are shallow, but this is a challenge, man. This podcast won't focus too much on the standard position previews or team previews. It's for deeper leagues. Personally, I don't want to hear about a Cuna, Trout, Yellick debate. You can hear about it on every podcast and quite frankly i'm tired of it i'm not going to talk about it and i'm not going to talk about it because i don't know i don't know the answer either <laughs> um this podcast is going to focus on mainly draft strategy deep draft strategy and um draft and hold sleepers i'm not going to tell you denelson lamette's a sleeper or andrew heaney's a sleeper well i will but these guys go in the top 200 and should be drafted everywhere they go in the first 25 percent of these 750 player drafts i want to talk about real sleepers hibernators the 50 to 700 range. And we won't be reviewing any mock drafts on this podcast. I personally don't want to hear about analysts trying something. Any draft we're talking about here, me and Mike, I'm per- we're personally putting up $150 minimum of our own cash. And that's US dollars. I'm Canadian, so that's even, that's even more money for me. <laughs> Today, we're going to review um, the fifth NFBC draft that I've done this year. And it's not even Christmas. Curlin was also in this one, Mike. Um, and we're going to review the first 100 picks of this uh, in this episode. So this will, this will be sort of a, a real draft review um, this episode. And we're not going to go over every pick, uh, every pick, but we'll uh, post it on the podcast Twitter page, the, um, the first 100 picks. And you can find it at uh, Draft Champagne on Twitter. Uh, draft Champions was taken, so I had to think of something else. So what's up, Mike? What is going on, man? This is, uh, this is completely weird for me to be on this side of things. I'll tell you what. I know. You're used to hosting these podcasts, uh, and you haven't stopped. But you're, I think you just <laughs> couldn't help yourself to get, get involved in this, too. Uh, I mean, me and you go a little farther back than this. We both got into the industry at the same time, for those who don't know. Um, actually, you got into it a little before I did. But you're like we talked about just in general how you kind of motivate me. But we've been playing together in these shallower formats for a while now. And this is um, your second year doing NFBC, my first but it feels like it's long overdue because this is really where the challenge is at. And obviously the bigger money's at too. So there's a, there's a lot to it, man. It's really exciting. And this is gonna be a fun new little uh, adventure or venture. You want to call it venture, not adventure, a new little venture we go on. And it's going to, I think it's going to be very helpful to a lot of people, especially even new people doing NFBC for the first time. Well, yeah, I look at the, the I look at the, um, the dynasty league um, podcast. Like you have your prospects, three sixty five for prospects, one, what, 1500, you got your uh, prospects live. Uh, they all have a nice little niche and uh, followers. And um, we both have played in the standard redraft leagues and we've both been successful, but this is a bigger challenge. And I want to really hit the niche of the draft and hold the deep leagues. And it's sort of a hybrid between your 12 team redraft and your deep dynasty league where you, those, those prospects are relevant here, but there's so much more. Exactly. And on top of that, I mean, some people like me don't really covet the, that's a whole other strategy thing, but I don't really covet like uh, prospects all that much. I 
tend to – I'd rather – I don't know. Depends on the draft. Depends on the position in the draft. There, I'll get guys in AAA, but, yeah, there's – um, you have to be careful because, again, you mentioned there are no roster moves in a lot of these leagues, in particular the draft championship – draft champions league, so. Yeah, I think that could be a good topic for one of the podcasts coming up is um, prospects versus, um, I guess, depth, major league depth. Vet- veterans like like, like yeah. Longoria versus a Dylan Carlson. Obviously, that's a bad – comp because i don't think anybody's taking longoria over him but you get the idea it may be a bad comp but it's an excellent excellent example yeah all right so um <laughs> let's get started here on our draft i'm just pulling it up pulling it up I'm, i might have to stop because i'm almost on the clock but uh, i want to look at the first say 100 picks we're not going to go over like i said every single pick but um i'll look at uh i'm going to look at the first round and i'll just go through it you got uh, your first three picks were Acuna, Trout, which was, I think, your pick, right? Yep, I picked second you, here. Yeah, I had the 13th pick. Um, so those uh, Acuna, Trout, Yalek went one, two, three. You know what? You can put it, uh, put three dice in a Yachty can, and you can roll them on the floor and just pick one because, like I said. Um, That's really how I feel, too. It's and preference. I, I don't want I don't want to spend any more time talking about this nope. because there's a, <laughs> it's a 750-man draft. <laughs> Let's go. So four is Bellinger. Five is um, five is bets. Um, to me, that's my clear top five. I agree with the top five. I think that is the consensus top five. I'm a little torn on Bellinger to be honest because I really like Lindor, but I can outfield's a little deeper. You need the outfield. I think he's outfield eligible, and even in these formats. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another that's another I guess strategy point that I want to mention here. Uh, personally, I I think having a top three pick is a huge advantage. I think most people agree with that, but I think getting Bellinger, Betts, and like Soto in the first round is a big advantage because that that second, third, fourth round is littered with middle infield studs. So you got your like Albies, your Hira, you got um, Torres. Those guys aren't going in the first round. Who? Torres. I'm not. He is. (laughs) He's he's a second rounder or third rounder. He's good. I I know where he's He's going. I know where he's going. He's valuable. I don't agree. I'm just saying that. that's where I'm saying the like <laughs> outfield. You got them in the first round, and I, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't really want to focus. I, I'm not really drawn to any of the outfielders in the third, fourth, third, second, third, fourth round. No, no, no I, I agree. Much. I'm just there are of... some in there, but I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, and I'll tell you why, and it relates to speed because a lot of those outfielders, and we're gonna, and that's something I wanted to focus on in this draft is where speed is going. Um, so before I get off on a tangent there, um, I'm. The reason why I'm saying I like to take those outfielders, those first five in particular, and Soto, Soto had 12 stolen bases because I don't want to take – I'm not going to use my picks on Judge or J.D. Martinez in the second round. Sorry, not doing it. Um, Judge, very, I can understand. Late second, I can understand it. I considered him when it came back to my pick, which, again, we're getting a little ahead. So we not a, it's, Yeah, it's not, not ideal. Yes, I didn't find it to be – I mean, he went early third, but, we can again, we're going to talk about the speed aspect and things. So if you want to – Get back yeah, I'll go on before yeah, <laughs> we're trying to keep this relatively short. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Trey Turner went six, which emphasized the need for speed because he's not gonna he's not gonna be a five category monster. No. Like he's not it, home runs and RBIs are definitely not gonna be not gonna be there like the like the rest of the players that are that are around him. Um, but that emphasized the fact that he went there. Just people are already reaching a little bit on speed, and I I don't I don't fault that to take Trey number six because he's going to be very good and he's going to hit for a decent average and score a ton of runs. He's just going to lack in the home runs and RBIs, but not terribly. Um, so number seven was Jacob DeGrom, the first pitcher off the board. Before Garrett Cole, this was before Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees. 
Um, now, now that he did sign, I'm considering putting DeGrom ahead of him. Really? Not because I don't think Cole is elite, but I think the park is significantly different and like way worse of a, of a pitcher's park. I think he'll just fall into a higher ERA, not even because not because he's bad, but because it's just that park just plays better for hitters and the division is arguably tougher. But I hear home and away parks, you know what I mean? I and hear the you. teams. Good points, but I uh, just one follow-up question on that is how many times is he gonna no hit the Orioles? How many times <laughs> is he gonna pitch in Camden and give up a, a stupid three run shot in like the sixth? Like uh, it's just who? something. something. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Trumbo. I don't know. Uh, I don't even think Trumbo is even starting for him. But that's regardless. I, you know yeah. my point. I, I, obviously, there's give and take with any division. I mean, he played the Angels last year. He played the A's that were okay, not nothing spectacular. Now he's getting Boston, who still has a solid lineup until they trade it all away. He still has. Um, at least he doesn't have to face the Yankees, but the Rays are better than people realize even though again they're face the astros now they're gonna steal all the signs that he's gonna he's gonna steal all his pitches they don't yeah. know, know what's coming i think but that's why i'm saying when i say second i still think Degrom and cole are clearly the only two first round pitchers for me regardless in this format yeah, so it's, you can't, it's, you can't it's, argue with that i don't mind do, i don't mind Degrom here i don't mind Degrom here i think it's a little bit of, personally i wouldn't want to take a pitcher seventh overall just either would i either would i but if you tell me he's the first pitcher off the board i can understand that now because you're looking at home you're looking at ballpark and potential and easier you're looking at better ballpark and a, and a, and a easier not easier division but a better like pitchers division as far as ballparks and stuff. you have miami phillies isn't so great but you know you know what i mean like and he's obviously been there for years so he's pretty comfortable with who he has to face and all that good stuff so there's a lot of pop. I think there's a lot like when it comes to when it comes to them now. I, I'm looking at like this is what I'm looking at. This is how much I value them equally. To where it's like I'm trying to find just small positive things. But then you can argue for Cole. Well, the win potential is way better because that bull, that bullpen is by beyond better. So there's like that, that's going for him. So it's like give and take. It's one A one B for me. It was Cole clearly one. Now it's more of a top tier Cole Degrom like. Now it's like I might mix it up in drafts, so to speak, just to give myself a little bit of both. Mike, remember what I said? I don't want to talk about Akuna yelling trout. This is the same thing. I can't fault the, the DeGrom pick even before or after the trade. Uh, before the trade, I would have faulted it. <laughs> I mean, before the signing. <laughs> really? I mean, before the signing, I would have, yeah, because it was clearly Cole. That's why I'm saying for me, it was clearly Cole at one, and there was no maybe DeGrom for me. That's how it's still, still for me. I'm I'm taking Cole at one because I don't know. I think he's just he's just gonna get he's gonna get fifty more strikeouts at least. Yeah, and again, we can we Maybe. don't want to we don't we don't want to harp on this, so we can move on. I just yeah. wanted to th- say for me at least the signing kind of brings him into that same tier. I don't know. I it's, I still haven't looked into it enough. It's fresh. It happened yesterday. So sorry, it happened like at midnight almost. So yeah, okay. So the eight and nine were Lindor and Story. Um, can't say anything wrong about those two and then 10 was garrett cole who we just spoke about so i don't mm-hmm. well we'll move on from there so he did go out he could go off at number 10 11 was juan soto i think that's that was that was some good value that was um, good value i agree at, at, at number 11 i like that pick and then bregman at 12 um so i think one through 12 the the, the players that we just mentioned acuna all the way through bregman mm-hmm. that's pretty typical in these leagues, I would say, I'd say if you, if yeah. you took a, if you took a, if you took a, a cross section of all the drafts that happened so far in the NFBC and probably extended to the end of 2019, I'd say this would be the most common combination of your top 12 in any order. 
maybe Verlander would would fall make his way into there somehow in some Aaron Auto. But I think yeah, Aaron Otto too. Um, but yeah, I think this is a it, it was what I'm saying. It's it's fairly typical. Yes. Um, so my I I had the next pick here, and I I wavered here, and I almost took Justin Verlander because I he was sort of the the next logical pick and I really wanted to avoid Max Scherzer and I still and I and I did want to avoid Max Scherzer which I did um so he was sort of the last in a tier of the top pitchers for me um but I knew I had a pick coming up again um if and there was a chance he was going to fall now what I was thinking in my head here and and I've done drafts I've already done four drafts before this uh and what I've noticed in the mid rounds when we're not even mid rounds but the rounds 6 through 10, 12. I want to call start- those mid-rounds as well, but I, you're right. They're like, are they still early rounds? Those are mid-rounds in every other type of draft but this. Mid-rounds right. 20, 25 and 35 I, area. I guess we're going to have to specify. So I, I guess even round four, like you'll notice um, Victor Robles is going in as early as round four. People are reaching on speed. Um, you're, you'll have um, people are reaching on players like Biggio, um, uh, Hampson, um, Tommy Edmond, Mercado, Kyle Tucker, um, even Louis, Louis Robert to an extent. And I call it reaching, but it's not really reaching because you need to get speed in these drafts, and especially you need, you need to do well in speed. You can't punt it if you want to win the overall. Um, so you need speed. And you know what? You're just going with the flow of traffic, I guess. If, if people are going 70 miles an hour on the road, you got you to gotta go above the speed limit and reach a little bit. That's sort of my analogy here. Um, so going back to how how it relates to this pick here is this is what I'm thinking. I'd much rather reach a little bit here, take a player at 13th overall that might have gone early second round, maybe four, five, six picks later, than reach several rounds, in my opinion, later in the draft for speed. So I took Fernando Tatis Jr. here, just and it was a slight reach above his ADP, but you know what? I'd rather I'd rather it's not a huge reach. It's a couple, couple choices. Yeah, I'm. I don't mind the pick. I saw it. And I made it made sense because when you look at who was available on the board after him, you had the Arenados, the Freemans, the that that Jose Ramirez's types, which we can get to. We'll get to those in a second because you picked one of those three. Spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> but you you had those three. You know, and again, those are all kind of higher four guys. So you took the guy that has that high ceiling and he's the type of guy that can make or break and probably will make or break a lot of teams this year, especially in this format, because I took him in my first draft 17th overall. He fell to me in the second round. And I had the 14th pick and he swung back around to me. And I just like, I just, you shoot for the stars and hope you land on the moon type of thing. If, if, if anything yeah. happens, you know, but exactly. I like so, that pick. It's a really a make or break pick. And I, I guess I understand why it's considered a reach, but it's because you have the safety of all the names being pushed back under him now to fall back on. Yeah. And I figured I could take a safe, a safe pick, um, four picks later, which we'll see if I did or not. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, right after, right, right after me, um, um, it's always nice to see the, when you're wavering to between two players and the next player was taken with an auto pick right after you. So the kind of questions did it kind of question, did I make the right decision? And yeah, probably I didn't, but, <laughs> but Verlander went next and then, uh, the turn, you know, what, you know what, what I'm, what I'm, Back to what I was saying before is I'd rather reach on speed now than reach on it later because when other people are reaching on it later, you're going to get great players fall to you like the Correas and the Confortos fall because people are reaching on speed and you're going to be getting those five category great players because 
people just need need to feel the speed because they've missed on it. So this is this is sort of um, a microcosm of what I'm talking about is this one player who had the last pick of the draft or last pick of the round, he got Nolan Arenado and Freddie Freeman on the turn. That's amazing. Like, like he doesn't have any speed, but that's really good. That's as, high, that's as high as a floor you can get in four categories, basically. Yeah, they just don't have speed, but he's got like in a 15-team team league. That's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset with that pick either. And, and you know what? I've done, like I said, this is my fifth draft. I've started with an Arenado-Freeman combo before, even though I'm preaching reach on speed here. Um, just so happened to fall that way. Now, did you, were you aiming for one of those two? Um, was no. that the initial thought to kind of back up Tatis with such a safe high floor? No, I was aiming, I was aiming for Verlander, hoping Verlander would fall. Okay. That's what uh, you were thinking. That's what I was thinking. And then, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, um, honestly, it's sort of how, I, I go with the draft. So I was expecting Max Scherzer to, to be taken in with one of these picks, which he wasn't because Walker Bueller was actually taken before Max Scherzer. So I'm not alone here. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of snakes in these drafts or sharks, not snakes. <laughs> um, and so they're thinking the same thing as me. They're not, they're not, I don't, I'm just kind of saw Scherzer. Um, this is just talking about the Bueller pick. Um, I saw him in the playoffs. He was hurt last season. Um, he sort of has a trend of uh, higher whip in the second half in the last couple of years. Um, he's been injured at least twice in the last couple of years for the sec- in the second half. And you know what? Just watching him in the playoffs, he pitched well. He earned his money. He got, he got them the title. But you know what? Like that game that he pitched, I forget. I think it was maybe the this first or second game he pitched in the World Series. He got through five innings. I think they ended up winning the game. But he only struck out five, and I think he walked three. So I'm like, is that really someone I want to – put my first or second round pick on somebody that's just seems like they're like in the, in the, on the, in the highest stakes they're he was really just average. Um, and that's my last memory of him of the season. Maybe it's just a recency bias, but, or maybe it's just a sign of things to come. So I don't know. I, my gut, my gut to me, I know you're, I know you're, you're, you're going to have an argument. Um, you're going to argue the other way, but I'm, I'm just avoiding Max Scherzer this year, especially in these leagues. In these leagues, I'm not necessarily arguing with you. I can understand the risk versus reward. And if you already take, for instance, like you took Tatis, it doesn't make sense to double up the risk so early. Okay, I, that's, and that's a fair point. That's really why you won't find me arguing on Scherzer in this format, but in shallower formats, like I did 12, again, we're not going to talk about 12. You know what? We're not going to even talk about 15 mocks. He falls to like late second. That, for me, it's easy value, but. We can, I mean, again, I'm not going to argue with you on that, but as far, but then you know, for instance, like you knew when you passed on pitching in the second, you were going to have to hope to fall back on a group of guys, which I liked the group of guys that actually fell back to you when you finally took your first pitcher. But it was funny um, going back. I got to, lucky. I, I believe I got lucky with all the pitchers that ended up falling to where I was late in the third round. Especially when you had such a run in the later second half, a uh, second round, because after actually, I, well, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves, so let's let's wait. But it, it was actually quite interesting what happened on that tur- on the on the on the following turn. Um, so next, Devers went. I I I think that's a bit early, personally. But I'm with you. I'm, I, I don't I don't want to focus on it too much. Um, then Clevenger went before Scherzer. Clevenger then Scherzer went. So I've seen that happen. I think it happened in my last draft too. So really? I, I was surprised. So. I was surprised, but I, I that's why I didn't want to take Scherzer or any other pitcher because I sort of maybe this is just being stubborn, but I refuse to take another pitcher 
Um, this is a reason why I went, sorry, did we gloss over the fact that I took Jose Ramirez with the, yeah, we did the third pick of the second round. So I did, I did take Jose Ramirez and I'll just talk about it for 20 seconds here. I took him. So now I have it I took him because yeah, there is, I really doubled up on my risk and there's a lot of batting average risk there because people aren't really bought into the Tatis average, but four categories, RBIs, home runs, um, runs, and especially stolen bases. I'm, very happy with there. So I like to start. And um, I was, I even did well in leagues where I took Jose Ramirez third overall last year, because he still, he still banks some steel, stole a lot of stolen bases for you in not even a full season. So I don't know. I was, I was happy with that. Um, so back to Clevenger and Scherzer. Um, I, I just didn't want to take it. I sort of just stubbornly refused to take um, like Bueller or Clevenger who are, or Flaherty or Strasburg who are my next tier of pitchers. Just because Scherzer hasn't ta- hasn't been taking hasn't been taken, I was following the flow of the draft. I was I, I, I'm thinking maybe pitching is falling because Scherzer is still not off the board, so maybe I can wait a bit more. That was sort of my line of thinking. And I text you as soon as I got to as soon as I made my trout pick at two. I was I text you what I was my, like pretty much my ideal two three. Yes, you did, and I got my two three. So I don't know if you want to. Kind let's of, just uh, let's let's just fire. Let's just roll through into your pick because it's pretty standard. So mm-hmm. um, seventh pick of the second round was Brendone. Then we went JD Martinez. Then Bryce Harper. All your then, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was no, gonna go say. Ahead. I was just saying. Then the pitcher run started, or what appeared to be a pitcher run started to occur, and that's when you. I, I don't know how you felt. Did you feel like, oh crap, maybe I miss miss. Uh, um, uh, honestly, at this point, I wasn't paying attention to my phone. I was just, I knew I didn't pick for a while. So I just, uh, I was, I'm in, I'm in like four drafts at a time. So I wasn't really paying attention to what that was going true. on. <laughs> I am. A, I'm a, I'm a degenerate, but then you take it to a new level. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I was in three <laughs> NFBC drafts at once and I mean, you know what? There's people that are worse than me. That is true. And I respect them because these are easy. To, these worse. Are so I don't easy. know if I should say worse, better. Yeah, worse. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but these we're are never so- going to get a spawn. We're never going to sponsorship from NFBC this way. Why? I'm just joking. Why, because- why, would you, why would you say such a thing? NFBC is great people. Anyway, yeah, don't. Oh, you can sponsor me, not him. Um, <laughs> so you like, like so you were busy on your phone, but you mentioned the Stra- the Strasburg-, Strasburg went off the board. So was that the seventh pitcher at that point? Flaherty eighth pitcher, Bieber ninth pitcher, and then I got. I got my ideal guy. I wanted Snell. And when I saw a pitcher run happen and Snell was the one that was pretty much left, I was more than happy to take him there. I think he's, his ADP actually has him at the 10th pick, uh, 10th pitcher off the board. And I have him ranked as high as seven. So I'm a little higher than consensus. And I think if he come, once he comes out in spring training and shows he's healthy, I think it's just going to, he's going to shoot up. He's going to be going around where Clevenger went, like early to mid second. You know what I mean? And, I, I love I'm, that pick. I think that was a great pick I'm of yours. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not going to get too much into the advanced analytics, but like no, as, but we've, as we've talked about, swinging, swinging strike great was off the charts. Um, I think he's due for a bounce back. I think he's a great pick. Um, I think most of the sandwich. Sorry. sorry? Sandwich no, in between there, you got Altuve. I was just going to mention um, between oh, those yeah. pitchers. So, <laughs> Altuve is kind of hiding in there. He he went earlier than normal. Yeah. Um, I'm but I do. But I, lo- I like the value of Altuve this year. Like he was a top, he's just a couple of years removed. I don't know. I like the value. I think he could bounce back even on the stolen base department because he sort of had some, some knee injuries the last couple of years and he's still only 29. So he's, I don't want to spoil anything, but he's still two years younger than Starling Marte. 
Yeah, that is true. Um, anyway, so ending end, ending in the second round is Peter Alonso, and um, the the turn here um, was uh, Alonso and Bogart, which was a nice turn. Bogart's I could even see being a second rounder in times, and then your pick, the uh, second pick of the third round, which I was really happy to get because I wanted Starling Marte. I'm a big, I've been a Marte guy for a while now. I had him last year in a bunch of places, and. Trout offers, although Trout, you know, typically hits, I mean, he can hit second or third. I'm thinking he might hit third this year, but even if he hits second, maybe the RBIs take a little bit of a hit. But ulti- I mean, ultimately, we're looking at um, I'm, we're looking at Trout, who has a solid all-category four. I still think there's at least 10 steals in there. And then I'm like, well, I want – and you mentioned steals have value, but I feel like Marte isn't getting that same respect other speedsters get because Marte isn't just empty stolen bases, which a guy going at this point – I'm not going to say it. we'll get to him, but I think it's like seven picks later is a guy that I'm crazy avoiding and he offers less, but he's going that much. He's going that close to Marte, but Marte can, he offers a little bit of pop 15 to 20 home runs without the, without the juice ball, but you know, there's 20 to 30 stone bases there. Good batting average, probably good run production because he's probably gonna get traded to a contending team. I'm, that's the other thing. That's the other concern with me. On my concern with Marte is if he gets traded, the things change. Does his stolen base profile change? Because he, he's allowed to run in Pittsburgh. Clearly, um, clearly, yeah. He is thirty-one. Um, he could get a change of scenery. Um, yeah, like do you like? I don't consider this a, a reach, but it kind of is. Like it, every speed guy is getting reached on. Mar- yes. Like Trey, even Trey Turner is is technically a reach. I would say um, Trey Turner's a reach because I'd rather have, for instance, Lindor and Story over him, which, but again, they're all going within four picks, so pick your poison, really. But yeah, he's a little bit. Yeah. Mar- Marte, it, it's about right. I can't say anything wrong. With, I, 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 I can't see anything wrong with it, but uh, that's why I really want to reach early on steals. And there's really no one like, I don't want to, I, you know what, you pick, you, you pick the luster of all the evils, which you're, which you've alluded to. Which yeah, I mean, this round. We, we won't, we won't spoil it. We won't spoil what, what, what happens next, but um, you've definitely like, taken the lesser of, of three or four evils. And I would say my big, my, my main concern is injury because he tends to get hurt with knickknack stuff every year. So I know that's going to be there, but I still know between him and trout, I now have about 30 to 40 stolen bases. And that feels like a safe, solid floor to give myself in stolen bases, good batting average. Some, and I didn't sacrifice much power at this time. So I have built myself such a solid foundation in, in batting average and stolen bases, which are, you know, pretty tough to come back from if you start start off low in those so i feel like i set myself up really good with that foundation got myself an ace and snell and now i'm ready to kind of build around that i feel like i built i started off with a really solid sound foundation and that's my goal in my in the first three to five rounds kind of get that foundation and then plug plug and play needs and stats as i as i go it's a, chess. That's a good, that's, it's well put i think you, i agree i think you did very well with your first three picks and it's it's a game this is fantasy baseball is a game of chess that's how i always view it but after, right after me, remember we talked about Judge. There you go. Judge is, um, goes right off the board, and you're not a fan of Judge, but I think that's okay value. I mean, not that I'm not a fan of him. I like him. I think he's good. I think he do, he's better in the OB, OBP format. Oh, of and, course. Uh, not as valuable in these leagues, but he still is valuable. And he's, I've seen him go off early second round, so this is great value for Judge. I'm not a, I'm not a, fan, of, I'm not a fan of taking him with one of my – like I'd assume – He'd be a top twenty selection, maybe maybe a little bit later. But I don't want I didn't want to take him this early. But this this is a lot of value here. Like 
I think there's a lot of upside. Yeah, I feel like he, he should be going right behind J.D. Martinez type of thing, or at least I value him similar to J.D. Martinez. And Martinez went, what, 10 picks ahead of him. So I think there's – people are starting to get a little concerned with judges' potential injury uh, concerns and whatnot. I think there's value to be had, assuming that he continues to go in the early third rounds. In the second rounds, I'm also out on him, though. I'm not a big fan right. of yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think we're in agreement there. Then you got Chris Sale, which is a lot of risk in the third round. I know he's got all his um, reports from James Andrews back that he's clean, but I think it's a lot of risk. I don't like that pick. I was, that's my first pick that I really don't like. Um, after that, Austin Meadows. Um, no value there. You're not getting any value. Like he's, he's getting some hype now. So he's no one's fooled by um, – no one's sleeping on him. I know, and I wish they still were. I miss, I miss, I miss having my shares in Meadows because I feel like those days are done. Yep. Um, next is Springer, which is a pretty typical pick. Now I want to get into a run that went in here, and um, this is this is actually when where I started getting worried because I want to, I really want to get a second baseman in the third or fourth round. I want to get that. I want to get that position out of the out of the way because that's a position that there isn't much left after say the fourth round, like all these guys that I'm going to mention, obviously go, uh, obviously go, but then the, the player, my fallback players who are your LeMay Hughes, your Biggio, um, who else is in that range that you might like um, all those guys go where I need to get something else. Um, typically Biggio go just looking at the ADP and knowing the ADP, Biggio is going where I need to get a closer. Those closers are flying off the board. I'm not taking a closer in the first couple of rounds. And he's typically a guy where I'm like, I can't take him because I needed my closer or I need my catcher. Um, LeMay, he was going where I need something else. I need, I need to get, um, I need to focus on other things. So it just works out that where their ADP is, it's just, it, I can't prioritize them. So I, I really want to focus on getting a second baseman here. I don't always end up doing it. But um, what happened here is Mondesi went, um, steals, Baez, VR, steals, Glaber Torres, your buddy, Albies, Keston Hira. So then it was my pick after that. This is the end of the you had game, so. You had one, two, three, five second basemen go back to back to back to back to back. Right. And then, and then I took a second baseman, Kettle Marte, who also has outfield eligibility. And you know what? I was so happy that he fell to me because I like him more than – Definitely more than Hira. Uh, I like. I would have taken taken him over VR and Mondesi um, and Torres. Potentially, mm, <laughs> I, I, I personally uh, rank him higher. So that's just. I mean, if you want to get down to the, I mean, I put them in the same tier. It's very close for me. I, um, I put them in the same tier, but he is ranked higher for me as of right now. So the guys I was looking at here, um, I want. I knew I needed to get a starting pitcher. Um, because if I wait in, in, I'm talking about these next two picks, it's sort of a turn where I have the second last pick of the third, uh, or sorry, third last pick of the third round and the third pick of the fourth. I'm like, I want to get a second baseman and I want to get a pitcher. Then when I noticed the big run of second baseman, there were some reaches here in my opinion, especially Hira. Um, all these second basemen went and no pitchers were going. So I'm like, okay, I'm definitely, uh, Marte's the last, Marte is the last, um, second baseman in that tier. And he's probably high in that tier. So I definitely want to take him first. And then there's a whole bunch of pitchers that end up falling to the um, end of third, early fourth, which were Corbin, Luis Castillo, Paddock, Giolito, Severino, and even Glasnow. They all went like really quickly after that. So I'm like, you know what? I can probably get one of those guys. And um, another guy that I had on my, on my uh, radar was Jordan Alvarez. 
utility only, but I knew I couldn't take him because I knew I wanted a pitcher and a, and a second baseman. So as much as, as much as he is fun to take, I couldn't take him there, but it was, it was a good pick by the person after me. Um, so right after that, the pitcher run started with Corbin and then, um, who wasn't my first pick for, who wasn't my first uh, choice for a pitcher. So I'm like, okay, um, he might've been my second choice. Um, I'm probably, I, there's a good chance I'm going to get a pitcher I want here. After that, the first two picks of the fourth round, fourth round were Olsen and Stanton. Stanton, I didn't like that pick at all. Um, Olsen, again, with Meadows, you're not getting any, any discount. Well, now so, you're not. He wasn't going this early until recently. <laughs> Yeah, you're all over your boy Olson. You love him. I, I, I like him too. I, I think that's a great. I think that's a great call of yours. I'm just so upset that he's starting to get priced up, and I think he's going to creep higher and higher to where you're going to see him getting him. Alonso's going to come down. Olson's going to come up, and you're going to see them be like within ten to twelve picks of each other, and then it's aggravating because the 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 whole uh, the big part about Olson's allure was his potential, you know, value. Yeah. But that's already starting to creep. I mean, you're getting you you have to take him with the early fourth round pick. That's already getting to that point where the value is kind of. I mean, that's where he went in this draft. So he won't. Yeah. He's not the. You know, it's gonna happen. It's just people <laughs> know. People know. It doesn't help when I tout him nonstop. <laughs> every every time I have a chance to talk about Olson, I do. Yeah, Stanton. I think uh, I I wouldn't touch it before the sixth, and, and I got I got bigger fish to fry in the sixth round. I don't know. He's just an avoid for me. Um, I have yet to have a team where I felt comfortable taking Stanton. So I, I guess he, I guess he's becoming an avoid without me trying, but that's because there's um, it's because of where he's going. He's still I going guess early, yeah. Early I guess for, somebody still wants him. Somebody still thinks he can hit sixty home runs. Well, here's the thing: it's like where he went. For instance, he could team fourteen. He went early fourth round. Usually, I do what you did. I go hitter hitter in the first two rounds when I pick back end. But then I'm usually double tapping pitchers here. You didn't double tap pitchers. You took um, Marte in the third. But normally I would have taken a pitcher there and a pitcher in the fourth round because I like getting two. I like getting two pitchers. If I miss on the ace tier and that tier, like the second, most of that second tier, which I have missed basically those two tiers in these first two drafts, except for Snell for me is in that second tier. But regardless, um, I've missed that first tier for sure in every draft and some of the second tier. I like to kind of secure two of the top fifteen at that point then, and then back and then swing around and get one of my guys in the top twenty-five. So. Yeah, as you, as I agree. Usually, you know, and, so. and we'll see how it burned me if we get that far because it did kind of burn me not taking two pitchers here. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to pass on Marte. If Marte didn't uh, fall, I might have double. I might have double uh, tap pitchers, but that's just how what happened. So I took Castillo as the third pick in the fourth round. I was really happy with that. I like Castillo. And that's your ace, though. That's Make my sure. ace. Which is my ace. Which I wouldn't have no problem with because I was actually when I picked fourteenth, Castillo was I think taking one spot ahead of me. So I legitimately got sniped. He was actually going to be the ace of my staff as well in my other NFC draft. But then I settled for Corbin Giolito one, two combo. And you, like you said, that's that's good. Like you said, Corbin went literally right. I mean, he wasn't your top target, so it doesn't really matter, but he went three picks ahead of him. And that's, I think that's because Corbin at this point has proven to have that high solid floor. So yeah, and value I think I think it's important. Um, and you know what? I'll I'll, I'll just I'll just uh, read off the next uh, three picks, which are all pitchers: uh, <laughs> Paddock, Giolito, and Severino. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like to your point on Corbin, I think it's really important in this league. And I love I, as much as I love Paddock, and I think it's a good pick. I think it's really important to get that anchor that's going to throw around 200 innings. And I don't think Paddock's going to throw 200 innings. So in this format, I'm not 
I don't have as much of a paddock boner as I normally do. Um, <laughs> and you're going to see who he paired him with next round, which is even more like a don't do in this format. Okay, you'll, you, I, I, didn't, I didn't look specifically at this one team, but, yeah, r- remind me when we get to that. Oh, but, I'm, looking, um, I'm looking at it right now. That's why I said that. <laughs> but, yeah, you know what? Luis Castillo in my pitching ranks, and I don't want to get into ranks too much on this podcast, but he's, he's my number eight pitcher. And getting a number eight pitcher as your ace in a 15-team league is really good. Yes, yeah, Snell's my seventh. So I was just like you. Like, I'm higher than, I'm higher than the um, consensus, but that's how I value him. And to get him as my ace, I was very happy. But innings are a concern with Snell, I won't lie. Right. Okay, so after Severino, um, pick, four, pick seven in the fourth round with Charlie Blackman. Um, we won't go too much into him. And then Glasnow was um, a little bit of a reach, I guess, because of the innings you're going to get from him um, yep. as eighth pick. And then Rizzo as the ninth pick. Another um, safe I did, guy. Another safe, great value. He's coming off one of his best years. We were talking about this in the, in one of the chats in one of the drafts. And you know what? He had the best home run to um, at bat ratios uh, of his career. Well, everyone did, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, he had a great average. He, he, he was good. And then Kershaw after that and then um the first pitcher uh the first catcher off the board real muto in the, in the end of the fourth and then suarez now i think it's a bit early for a catcher because you know what i think in these drafts in these nfbc drafts you're always going to have some sort of weak spot there you're going to play with a lot of good players and there's a lot of positions to fill there's 15 teams um so if i'm thinking okay you got eugenio suarez and you got jt romeo going back to back um you're gonna have a weak spot in your lineup would you rather have Suarez and say Jorge Alfaro later or JT Real Muto and then have your weak spot be say god forbid Kyle feet Kyle Seager at third base I'd much yeah. rather have the I'd much rather have the Suarez so I think this I don't want to take a catcher this early although Real Muto is good can't really fault the pick but I don't know what are, what are your thoughts on that I can't I really couldn't agree more I'm I, I'm with you with Remy I actually uh, most people I think it's consensus he is the number one catcher but I, I can't do it. I, I ended up taking a catcher earlier, which we'll get to eventually. I ended up taking a catcher earlier than I anticipated, but it was also five rounds later. And he's a difference maker at the position. And I still got him that much later. So I'm all about taking catchers, but not in the fourth round when there's just so much. You passed on so much value there. Yeah, true. Um, so we had Suarez, and uh, then Merrifield was taken after that with Merrifield. I think he had 20 stolen bases. I think he was like a 16-20 player-ish. Something like that. And like I'm, much, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who you picked, but like two two picks after him, Lemayhu went. So you pass on a lot of value, and like yeah, like I'll, I'll skip over your pick, and we can talk about that after. But after your pick, which was the second last pick of the fourth round, you had mm-hmm. Lemayhu, Eloy, and then I guess another pick of yours, mm-hmm. but um, which also falls into someone. All three of those players are like I guess in a vacuum better than Wit, and that's again you're reaching on speed, and not even in this case speed potential speed. Speed yeah, from two years ago. I would say you're betting on a bounce back, and now he has Matheny as a manager. Yeah. And honestly, so, I keep forgetting about Matheny being his manager, but I always talk about how Matheny is the manager for Mondesi. Like, I forget they're on the same team, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but Matheny's his manager, and you're looking, he's already, he already declined in steals last year. What if, he's, if he turns into a 12 and 12 or 15 15 guy? That's killer. Like, that's, her, that's killing you. That's called oops. That's called oops in the fourth round. Yeah, that's called oops anything before the sixth round, really. Yeah. Okay, so who did you uh, – talk about your pick here. So remember how I was mentioning how Snell isn't a sure thing for innings. Now, on a per-inning basis, on a per-start basis, I expect him to be top ten, no questions asked. But there is health – there are health concerns at this point. 
And with that said, I wanted to get somebody I feel is a sure thing for 200 innings, not as much K potential, and I think it could be a solid bounce back. And so I took Aaron Nola. This goes back to my philosophy. Because I value Snell like I do, I just I didn't feel the need to get three in my top 25, but I wanted two in my top 15 at this point just to help really bolster that starting pitchers, that my starting pitchers. And I felt like Nola was kind of the end of a tier for me because you'll get into the names in the next round. And I felt like Nola, just like Snell, was the end of a tier for me when I got them. And I, and if I missed on Nola, I would have wanted to hit two of these pitchers in the next 10 or so. Uh, I think that, was, 15, I think that so. was a great pick. That might have been the best pick of the round uh, in round four um, for the value you got of Nola. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he sort of, it sort of was a last, last of a tier. Um, um Charlie Morton went in the fifth round, which I, I think they're, they're similar in, in a redraft league. Dynasty, we're talking something different. But yeah. let's go on. I already talked about DJ LeMahieu and Eli. It's all the picks there. And then you took someone. Um, I'm not big on the fifth round. Yeah, I'm not even that big on them, but it came down to this. At this point, okay, so I'm looking at team construction at this point. I have two starting pitchers and two outfielders. Yikes. My, I have, I have great, the pitchers are great, but the two outfielders, I don't like doing that because now it leaves me with holes in my infield all up and down. And on top of that, I mentioned before, I have, I need some power. I need some RBIs. Well, the Padres have been doing really well with, you know, getting some on base guys, getting Tommy Pham. He's going to be hitting top two, top three. So I know, I know, I know who you picked. (laughs) (laughs) I went ahead and took somebody I'm not a huge fan of. I really am not into him, but I saw Machado sitting there and I'm like, there's power. There's a, like, even on a down year, he hit 37. Juice ball or not, he could still hit 30. He's going to give you 90 to 100 RBIs. He might he might only hit 260 in the process, but I already have that batting average floor. And this is when multi-positional eligibility makes a difference. He is third base and shortstop eligible. He offers the stats I need and gives me a little bit of flexibility in the middle of the infield. Granted, the two deepest positions, I still thought that there, there's just you're getting you're buying the floor with the potential of we know his upside top two, top three round guy. So I think he's one of those where I, I usually do a price is right type of podcast. He feels like the price is right because you're buying in at the floor cost with the potential of like a legitimate second round return. Yep. I am. Um, that logic is, I think you got some pretty sound logic there. And you know what, something that I've noticed going into your point of getting a shortstop now, um, if you're going to double tap and you, you want to, you, you're talking about get keeping your options open by, taking someone position flexibility and sometimes players um, fall into you and you have to double up on a position um, in early in a draft. And just from experience doing these drafted holds 50 rounders, if there's any position that I would like to double up on early and, and not waste, but use two picks on the same position, it would be shortstop because by the end of the draft, you'll notice that um, what I've noticed is after say round 35, shortstop is done like there's nothing like um i for example i was in a, in a draft near the end of the draft jake cronenworth who's shortstop eligible like just got traded to the padres he was he was at the top of my queue it was like in the round 40s and then somebody sniped him from me uh and then i was looking through the uh, looking through the draft board there's literally no prospects no shortstop prospects not even any bench players left. So just from doing these drafts, I've noticed that the shortstop is the position that, and we'll talk about deep sleepers another time, but that's a position that just shuts down. 
second base is right where they're with you, but second base second base shut, shuts down in the middle for starters. But there, yeah. but there are second basemen. Like this is just my thoughts. There are second basemen there at the end. You got your Jason Kipnis, who was always there near the end of the draft. You got your Brian Dozier. Hands there. Yeah, there's there's, there's Alberto, still there's still there's still shitty guys there that that are just there. Shortstop, there's nothing. So I think it's important to get it. Well, it just makes more sense to 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 get your short get two shortstops because in that draft I was talking about, I my first pick of the draft was Trevor Story, and I literally have nothing. I have Brendan Rogers as a sort of a handcuff, which I think handcuffing is important, which is another topic that we can discuss in these drafts. But he doesn't even have shortstop eligibility right now. So I'm right now. I'm hoping that if anything happens to Story, um, Brendan Rodgers is the person taking over at that position, which he m- might even be a second baseman by then. So and locked in. Who knows? So I'm really stuck if Story hurt gets hurt uh, in that draft. Anyways, let's move on here. Um, after Machado, Darvish went um, element of risk there. Now after that, um, I don't I don't pick for a while here, so it wasn't that upsetting. But I was looking at who I would target. And going to the point of uh, shortstop, um, I already have a shortstop, but I would have double tapped on Bichette, um, probably in the late fifth round if he made it to me. He didn't. He got taken there. Great pick, in my opinion. Speed is getting pushed up, but I don't even feel that's such a reach. Um, anything, anything to comment there? On Bichette? Nah. Yeah. I, I get it. It's this, again, it all goes back to speed. Yeah. And, and it's upside. It's, it's, uh, he's unproven. Upside too, yeah. Yeah, a lot of these unproven guys are getting taken. Um, after that, Morton went, which I think is a good pick. Then Vladdy, again. Bo went, Bo went before Vladdy in this draft. That's kind of cool. That is interesting. But, again, it all goes back to speed. Speed got pushed up. So yeah, Then then after that, <laughs> Granky got taken, which I think is a very vanilla – I don't know. I think he's sort of on the downturn of his career. Didn't like that pick personally. That's 200 innings, though. So, I understand. again, it goes back to stability. but And the yeah, Astros and all that. I think it's recency bias as well. You see these guys – like it's recency bias. Like, you see someone like Granky or even, for that matter, Correa struggling in the playoffs, like hit under 200. But guess what? They're facing the best competition. So – I think all those hitters that you see struggle in the playoffs, like perfect example was Bellinger in the, the year before. He got, he got creamed in the 2018 playoffs, but he's facing like always stud pitchers. So it's harder to hit in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, so I think, and again, it's um, you're under a microscope and he was, he was given a shorter leash in the playoffs. So the last memory of Granke is not as good, but I still stand that I, I'm avoiding Granke as well. <laughs> Then yeah. Moncada, and then some third baseman went Moncada and Chris Bryant. I like the Bryant pick near the end of the fifth round. I think, I think he can bounce back. Um, he's got some position, uh, dual positions, outfield third. I like that pick. Moncada, yeah, he was a guy. Uh, no, that, I like the I like the Bryant pick. Oh, uh, Bryant, and, sorry. And, and Moncada, I like both. Well, Bryant, I'm okay with Moncada. I love this year. I actually have both of them ranked over Machado in a vacuum. That goes to show you why I was so torn. On that. Yeah, like, so, I was really so do I. Around. So do I. And so was it just position? It was the multi-positional flexibility, being that it's third and shortstop, and yeah. the, the power upside. He has more power upside than both those guys. Yes, we've seen Bryant do the 40 home runs, wherever it was, or whatever it was in that MVP season. But ever since that shoulder injury, and he's kind of backed off on pulling the ball so much, so he's more of an all-fields approach type of guy. He's more of a batting average um like that type of like higher floor, not really the power types. I wanted somebody that had legitimate um, 35 plus home run potential. 
and all that. So hitting in the middle of a lineup compared to Bryant, who has been hitting at the top of a lineup. So that's, personally, that's I, I think I personally I think Bryant has the Bryant has the most home run upside out of those three. That's yeah, just, that's just not, not 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 anymore, man. I mean, you look at his you look at his prior seasons, and ever since the shoulder and and ever since the MVP season, he hasn't even sniffed thirty. I think thirty five even. Yeah, true, true. And okay. last year, Machado put thirty seven. So true, true. I can't I can't argue with you there. That's, you can, but it's not going to work. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, well, I guess I mean I won't argue with you. There you anymore. go. I'll stop. Um, then Victor Robles. I've seen him go in the fourth round, and if you look at the NFB NFBC ADP, you'll see it. But yeah, this is just um, speed. Um, yeah, and I and I and I and I and I brought up the fact that he's going in the fourth round, so he's going in like as early as pick number forty-eight, I think. And um, people are also, uh, and I've taken uh, Louis Robert. I didn't get him in this draft, but I've taken Louis Robert um, anywhere around the, the pick one hundred, or even sometimes before, um, for the upside, um, as well as like I think he's going to steal a lot. No, Robles, I think he went. 1727 so 17 home runs 27 stolen bases and he hit 255 i think there's some there's some upside built in or baked into this this draft um along with the fact that steals are so scarce but i i, I asked the question robert if he's called up even near the end of april so he misses almost a month is there a chance like how good of a chance is it that he goes 1727 and hits around 250 like and you're getting him like double the picks later. You're 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 picking uh, Robles at pick fifty, sixty, and you're getting Robert at pick one hundred and sometimes later. Like give me Robert all day over Robles. I know like he has no track record, but and and Robles, I don't even know if he's gonna hit the at the at the top of that top of that lineup. He's gonna he's not gonna. I think Robert is a lock for more RBIs this year than Robles, and I think Robert can steal. I just, I just don't like. I think a lot of it goes into. I mean, obviously, if we knew Robert would be up from day one, they'd have probably, they'd probably be similar in ADP. But I'm just very anti Robert because of, at least in these formats, I like sure things. I hate taking the risk on a on a prospect, and that can burn you. But you'll like if you were a Whitley guy last year. Imagine taking, you know, you probably had to take him relatively earlier than you would have liked to assuming he would have been up sooner and that look how that worked out you know you have a lot of prospects that just don't work out I mean Vlad came up a little later than expected and then he didn't even pan out and it's just like he took up a lot more draft equity so that's a little different as well but all in all I usually like to let the rookies go elsewhere because there's like around pick 100 there's still a lot of good value to be had and you're taking shots on such upside that I get it could be league winning or it could be league losing. It's like there's a lot more – I think there's a lot more risk than there, than there is potential reward taking an unproven commodity in your top 100 picks. Yeah, yeah. But I feel that prospects have um, – people have, been, have become wiser in prospects yes. and pushed up the drafts over the last couple of years. Like I remember – I've and, you know, I've always been on the prospects. Usually yes. it's, it's hit or miss, <laughs> and I've, I've lived and died with them. Um, I um, 2017, I was Bellinger everywhere. And you know what? I won a lot of, a lot of leagues. 2018? I was Buxton everywhere. I lost a lot of leagues. I was Glaber Torres, got injured everywhere. Alex Reyes, 2018, screwed me. 2019, I was all over Alonzo. Uh, again, did well. Um, but um, I feel like, and, and even last year, I was a little bit at the beginning into Vlad as well, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, didn't, that didn't help me. But he was, it turned like Acuna in 2018. I think, was it the 2018? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was getting pushed up into the eighth round by the time draft season started. He was like going in the 10th round to start off with. And now 
he was so amazing. People want the next lightning in a bottle. So Vlad was going in the, I saw some notable analysts um, claim, stake their claim on him in the second rounder as a second rounder, like saying that he has second round value and they don't want someone else having that. So they're going to take him in the second round. So you got pushed up so much. Now, again, we got, we got it. We got it pushed back a bit because of that. So now Rivera's now going in the, in the, what round is he going in? hundredth pick. So that's what the, the seventh round dish. Um, I guess. Yeah. So he's going <laughs> in the seventh. So it's, it's, um, that's math and I don't feel like doing math right now. <laughs> so yeah, he's going around the seventh, eighth round, call it. And, um, that's could be some nice value. It's, 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 um, it's, it's giving you a little bit of breathing room to get some value. Whereas by last year, you didn't really have a lot of room to get any equity there. Um, but yeah, so that's just um, another example of speed getting pushed up sort of a long-winded conversation there. Um, <laughs> after that, you went um, hater. Uh, somebody, somebody went hater, which went, he ended up going way before any of the other pit, any of the other relief pitchers, probably because of the innings he eats. I don't know. Yeah. I'm guessing. And everyone just and, saw the upside and, People, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, I'm, I'm sure you're on, we don't take, I mean, I know I, I speak for myself. I do not take closers this early ever. Same here. And you know what? Closers are going even later than usual. I've noticed this year. People are kind of hip to the fact of kind of letting them fall, but you have to be ready to adapt at any moment. Cause a run, when a run happens, it happens quick, fast and in a hurry. So yeah, like, that's what I think. That. I think I'm going for a pitch at closer here or uh, maybe not. And then uh, we're in the, yeah. What round are we in the 10th? 10th round? I'm yeah. looking at one on the way back, possibly. So if you did that, I wouldn't be surprised. Because there's, 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 there's a lot of uh, similar ones left, but we'll get to that after that. After that, Otani went, which I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, Let me talk about Otani for a second, please. Really, yes. I'll make it quick. Otani, yes. first off, this is the Paddock Otani owner now. This guy, those are his oh, okay. two pitchers. That Ooh. is, that is, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Otani, it's already been said Otani's going to pitch once a week, period. Now, what if he pitches on a Sunday and gets pushed back? Now you started him as a pitcher that week. You didn't even get him. These are weekly leagues. He loses a ton of value because you can't. You, you have to pick to utilize him as a hitter or pitcher. He's going to pitch one tough match of a week, or you're going to use him as a hitter three days a week. So you're 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 crippling yourself having him. You know what I mean? As like one way or the other. Because and I'm just afraid that that one that one star gets pushed back because of a rain delay, or they just want to give him a rest in the middle of the week. Well, now you just lost out on that production. Weekly leagues. I hate him. I think there's no value to be had. And he's not even pitcher eligible yet. He has, so you're going to have to miss a few starts before he even gains it. I don't know. I'm just very anti-Otani. I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Very anti-Otani in weekly leagues. Daily leagues, love it. Weekly leagues, not having it. Oh, yeah. I agree. I totally agree. And, you know, I'm just looking to see where he – I'm in another draft right now in round 30. Uh, and where he went. He went way later. I want to see where he went. He shouldn't. He, 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 he shouldn't. went. So he, I'll tell you where he went. He went, and I was talking to you about this as I was in this draft. I'm like, ah, uh, like he was at the top of the queue because he's, because of his ADP. Oh, yeah. He went in the late 11th round. And that's other, fine. That is fine. That is I, more I, like I, it. I, I, I had opportunities. To, this, is, this is the late fifth round we're in right now that we're talking about. Yes. I had opportunities in that other draft to take him in the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, <laughs> and 11th, and I passed on him because I can, of what you're I can, saying. I can understand the, the 8th, ninth, 10th. I can understand that. but in the You're 8th, telling 10th, me not 10th, to, and I, and I, I agree yeah. with you. And I told you why, and I just can't. 
I just can't get behind him, man. Just again, we specifically weekly leagues. I feel like you're handicapping yourself more than you're helping yourself on a per game basis. Sure, he, I think he could be elite, but the problem is, is again, you're banking on what 150 innings at most. You know, his innings are capped just by the schedule they have him on. Not to mention any type of um, setbacks or any type of you know rest days or anything like that. So coming off TJ, like come on. We all know how that can be the first year as well. Like, there's just yeah. so many. There's just there's he's, no. He's always getting. He's always getting injured. And the the players from Japan. All, he's from Japan, right? I believe. I mean, he's definitely yeah. from Asia. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all they're so fragile. Like they they, they're all they're always it's the I think the adapting to the MLB the ball or something. They seem to be very injury prone. The the, the international players. Yeah. So. so we don't have to harp on it anymore. I just wanted to put, put that out there, especially in. Um, these types of formats. He's just, I agree, not, Mike. He's pretty much Good point. Touch. Great point. Um, so I definitely, I was, I was up next and I definitely didn't get sniped with Otani. Um, I picked <laughs> Jorge Soler. Um, so he was another team- one, he was another one. I, he was actually the guy I was thinking about back in the fifth round when I took Machado, but this is again, these formats position eligibility matters to me. I didn't want my third outfielder here. So I love this pick for you. And he was just, uh, that just goes to show you how much I value him. Cause I was literally ready to take him 5.02. Well, I didn't have an outfielder. Well, besides yeah. Marte, who, who can play outfield, I can move him over to the outfield. Um, but um, I felt that I have enough. I, I reached "quote unquote" on stolen bases, so I felt that I can just. And you'll see that other, that um, were like um, there was some speed guys taking around him that are just not going to fill up. The, he's going to he's going to overshadow you if if he is somewhat consistent with what he did last year. Like, of course, there's room to regress, and he probably will a little bit. But um, And I, I also feel like he's somebody that can um, be immune to the juice ball as much as anyone can because of his, mm-hmm. his just, like, raw power. Someone – same as, like, Olsen or Alonzo, someone like that. Stanton. Um, Stanton, yep. Um, so he fit my team because I had a nice stolen base floor already, so I felt like I can – I felt very comfortable just taking – great hitters here it, when I was going hitter. And this is one of, this is a, this is a guy that could have really early round value. He's getting pushed down because he doesn't have a long track record. And, yeah, um, and but I'm just, I'm, I'm just hoping, I'm hoping for something similar to last year and it, it's going to be a good pick. So give, give after, me 30 home runs and 270. I'd be happy. I mean, you're getting that in the fifth I'm hoping round. For, I'm hoping for more than 30. I'm hoping for 40. <laughs> you're hoping for closer to 40, but if he hits 265 and hits 40, I mean, that's still great. That's difference-making power, and you're getting in the fifth round. That's Alonzo and Olsen production 20 picks later. Yeah. So then after that, you had Goldschmidt and Gallo. Um, I'm not, we're not going to talk about Gallo. Come on. No, let's, let's, just, <laughs> let's just move on from there. Um, yeah. Not anything bad. There's nothing – we're trying to – We've already gone. So this is, a good, this is a good example of what I was talking about, and this is the strategy piece of this podcast that I want to say is Ramon Liriano was taking the first pick of the sixth round. Now – Leave it as, be it as it may. I had the third pick in this round, and I took Jose Abreu. He, I felt that um, I had some batting average risk, and he sort of he gave me some comfort on the batting average side, side as well as being great in three other categories. But before Abreu, Matt Chapman went, and then Carlos Correa went right after Abreu. And Carlos Correa, I did, I did um, have him have in my mind. Actually, all of these players were players that I had up. Uh, I was debating between, but I needed a, I needed a first baseman. I knew first base was going to become scarce soon. So after Liriano, Matt Chapman, Jose Abreu, Carlos Correa, Marcus Simeon, MVP candidate, like an amazing season last year, Muncie all went um, after Liriano. That just shows you 
how important people, uh, the importance people place on speed or potential speed. So that just goes back to my point, reaching on Tatis, reaching, well, wasn't much of a recent reach on Ramirez, but there were two more of the high variance picks of the early rounds. But I wanted to make sure I got that speed because I was able to take in a Jose Abreu without having to consider a Lariano there. And sorry, I think no. I was uh, looking at something real quick. I'm sorry. No worries. And all the players after Lariano, like I'd rather have Chapman, Abreu, Correa, Semyon. Yeah. Semyon Sem- might be the only one, only because the position's so deep. And I don't know. I'm a little he was, down. He was third in MVP voting. He was like the was top ten overall player last year. He's sort of like the he's sort of like the the foil to um, Solaire. Like, are they? There's, are, a, like, is, there's a guy I got later. We'll talk about. Actually, this round I prefer to have over Semyon. Actually. Fam, no, uh, Tim Anderson. Oh, yeah, they, that, yeah, I said, I said, I yeah. I said, I so let's right. let's fast forward there. Let's let's um, Kluber, Woodruff, McNeil, Fam, and you know we said we didn't go, we wouldn't, we didn't want to go through all these. Um, <laughs> then Josh Bell, Rosario, Syndergaard. Then you took Tim Anderson, and I realized as I was writing up shortstop the other day that uh, I like Tim Anderson. His value is solid. I mean, you're looking at you're talking about speed get pushed up, and he's one of the few that really don't. What is that pick 15, 30, 45, 60, 75? Almost pick uh, almost pick uh, 90. We're talking 89. Pick 89. How do you really fault that? That seems like solid value for a guy who can do 2020 and hit 260. Yeah. I mean, it's really that simple. I don't. I know you're not a big fan of Tim Anderson, and I don't insist. I, I don't. Sixty. I said two sixty batting average. I'm not even. I'm not even he's giving. A batting him. champion last year. That's exactly what, and, I, and that's how much I buy. That's how much I don't buy into it. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. But yeah. I think he did. I think he, I think he did change some things. I think it's a nice pick. Um, but personally, I, I, I personally, I'd rather have seen Semyon. He, he had ten stolen bases, and um, yeah. But we're talking about a guy who actually legitimately has thirty stolen base upside. I'm just penciling in twenty when I look at him. But we're talking about a guy that, and I see 260 because I'm betting on the track record more than betting on the the growth. Obviously, I mean his bad bit I think was over 400, which is unsustainable no matter how fast you are. So I think realistically, okay, even if you say 280, that's still, I mean that would be ideal. I'd be awesome. Yes, he's a batting champion, but again, I just don't know how much of the growth I'm buying in the batting average. So I played it very pessimistic in my mind when I said 260. So we'll cut the difference, call it 270, 20, and 20, and we're talking about just outside, just inside the top 100. Like, I love that value, and I'm honestly going to have a lot more shares of them this year, and it might help remind me to not push speed up earlier in drafts. Maybe I wouldn't have taken Starling Martin the third, knowing I can get a Tim Anderson who projects to be very similar four rounds later. True. Very, rounds good later. Po- very good point. Now, in the interest of time, I'm going to try and blow through some of these rounds, but still focus on a couple of them. So I'm going to go through the next round. Um, mm-hmm. Sonny Gray was taken, and then let's, we'll go back to our picks after I go through it. And, like, I think you you'd alluded to a closer run happening this round. Um, Chapman, Yates, Bauer, Trevor Bauer. I think that was a good pick. Uh, he fell somewhat. Uh, Osuna, Paxton, Gary Sanchez, second catcher, Nelson Cruz. Um, also great value for what you're in the middle of the seventh round. Soroka, Berrios, Grandal, Louis Robert, who we've already discussed at length. We won't go back into him. Osuna, um, Liam Hendricks, Andrews, Lance Lynn in the seventh round. Now you took, um, you took Yates, and I ended up taking... Hendricks. So we both took closers this round. Yeah, I didn't. I, I texted you too. I was like, I don't like anybody here. There was when my pick came up. I was like, nothing really stood out. It was like something I had to have or a player I had to have. Ozuna kind of did, but again, I didn't want another outfielder. 
<laughs> so I was like, I don't want another outfielder. I like Azuna for the power. But I was like, let me just get myself a solid closer, somebody I know I can depend on for saves, and kind of just call it a day. You know what I mean? Like now I don't have to worry about saves for a little while. I agree. I think you did the right thing there. I I would I probably would have done the exact same thing you did in, in your spot. And then I took Hendricks because he was my he was the next uh, he was the next best closer available, and he pitched a shitload of innings last year. So yeah, for for me, I took Hendricks, and I um, I only had one pitcher. I still only have one pitcher, so I want like this served two purposes. One, I got my 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 first relief pitcher that's going to get me saves, and two, I think Hendricks was in the top of the top of the closers in innings pitched. So at least because I'm lacking on pitching, at least he's going to also eat up some innings and get me some strikeouts, etc. Right. So that was that was what that was my line of thinking. Um, I know he doesn't have much of a track record and he, even before, but I don't know. I got my closer after yeah, that. I, uh, well, I was a part of me reason why I took Gates as well is because I was like, well, I also don't, didn't like a lot of the starting pitchers there. Pat ba- Bauer did cross my mind, but yeah. I, again, I feel like Gates was just a solid ratio stabilizer as well as the obviously giving me a step up on, on save. So same mindset is why I took my closer the same round. Okay, so next round I'm going to go through. You know, the same thing happened in this round. You know, you know, I think we must be amazing because we're doing the same thing. We both put catchers. Oh, yeah, look at that. Uh, in the eighth round, I'll go through it. Um, Mercado, again, like the, it started starting the same way. Somebody getting pushed up a little bit because of speed. Because Mercado, um, Lamette, kind of hurt when he was taking. But he, well, when he, no, one, no one's sleeping on Lamette anymore. He was a sleeper like at the end of the October, but not anymore. He's, and now uh, he's like a top 100 pick. Yeah, it's crazy. It's but real nuts, quick, yeah. that, that team, that you, the team with Mercado and Loriano, if you look at his team, it makes sense why he reached on speed. He has Arenado, Freeman, Matt Olson, Joey Gallo. Holy crap, RBIs and, and home runs. He should yeah. win those. He's making power almost like what speed is. He's hoarding it so much to where the rest of us can kind of adapt, and we need just enough to play for second at this point. But and it's this, like which which way is which way are we going here? Because now he's reaching. Because you know you know what I said. Like he's he had um, he he had the spoils of war in the first round, right? With with Rendon or not Rendon, uh, Arenado and and Freeman. But now he's the guy reaching. So this is exactly what I didn't want to do. This is what I don't want to do. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be taking Mercado at the first pick of the eighth round when I could get Conforto with the eighth pick of the eighth round. Like, Which no, I'd rather. And, and, and Donaldson. So this is exactly – so I'm saying I'd rather reach a little bit than a lot because I get it. I, it fits his team. It's not a bad pick for him, but I don't want to be doing that um, ideally. So it went Mercado, Lamette, Garver for myself, um, Montas, um, Frankie Montas, Puig, Donaldson, Mancini, Conforto, Ryu, Carrasco, Moustakis, Wheeler, Eduardo Escobar, Wilson Contreras was your pick. And then Ed Rodriguez. Um, we, we both so have the same I, mindset with catcher, like you said. Um, yeah, because I've done enough of these, and I've been stuck at like with my second catcher, um, just yep. for someone I don't want. So you know what? I looked at this. I'm like Conforto. Like Garver had 30 home runs, and uh, I was I was honestly wavering between Garver and Contreras. They're, they're so close to me. They're so close to me. But I figured Garver, like I think he was hitting leadoff, so he might have a chance of scoring some more runs. Um, and um, I don't know. Um, it's really, it was really a toss up for me. Um, so that round, I don't know if anything sticks out of you. I think we've already gone through over a hundred picks. I don't know. I don't know if we need to go any further in this, this, this pod. Um, I'm just looking at what's going on here. Maybe we can talk about, um, 
maybe if you, after after you have any comments on this round, maybe we talk about our just our picks after this. That's fine. I'm, I can understand that for sure because, like you said, top 100 kind of cover. And now it gets to a point where it's literally just filling our teams out. We've built our core uh, squad. Now it's a matter of just filling it out with what we feel we need. Yeah, it's still an important part of the draft, but um, very. But we can we can post it. We can post the draft board, um, and we can talk about specific things maybe on another podcast, and then maybe some late. And then we'll 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 talk as we get to our late round sleepers, maybe after we draft, because I don't want to show my cards to you too much. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you already know. You, you already you already know. Anyways. I know pretty much everybody you like, but now that you are doing this podcast, you have no choice but to share your thoughts, regardless. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> um, you don't you don't know everyone yet. I'll tell you that, but you will probably after. I will by the time you, the- by the time we do two or three more podcasts, you will know all my guys. Um, okay, so um, after in what are we in round nine? I took Sano in round nine. So another, I kept. So I'm doing the opposite of what that other guy was doing. Uh, I just kept. I, I'm taking. I've taken Solaire, Sano, um, Abreu. So I'm just piling up those four cat guys. Um, and then, um, then we got, then we started seeing some closers. We started, we're starting in a mini, mini closer run. And, and, um, yeah, guys like Biggio, who I like, and I was eyeing for his speed. Um, it's just not a part, like any second base eligible. He's just not a priority right now. I need my catchers and I'm going to need to take my, like, I'm, I'm lacking on pitching and I need to take some closers. So after Sano, my next pick is going to be a pitcher. Probably, um, I'm wavering between a closer because there are a lot of them left. So I'm, I'm figuring I can probably get one hopefully the next round even though i have to wait a long time um but um or i made because I, right now i only have castillo and hendrix so i either have to go relief pitcher or starting pitcher and it's gonna i'm gonna give you i'm gonna be left weak in one of them probably because my offense is pretty good right now um, well that's the, that's the thing i'm the opposite of you i you know snow was a guy i was actually considering with where i took hoskins but i and i know i think snow ends up getting first base eligibility but i couldn't wait on that no I think you it, can't so I actually took Hoskins just because of eligibility purposes. I think Sano power ceiling is higher, but I think they're relatively similar players. So I just went with the guy that was like, let me take Hoskins on the discount this year. Give him a shot. I'm not a huge Hoskins guy, but I'm not a huge Machado guy either. So, but it just goes to show you now I'm chasing the same stats you are. So it's kind of conflicting and aggravating because guys that might fall to me might not now because you also need them. And then I'm also hurting at second base. I would like to get another pitcher or or possible closer as well coming up here, but I, there's just so many different ways I need to go. And this is where it gets aggravating because there's so many needs and you start looking down the ranks. Okay, maybe I can wait on them. And the problem is you think you can wait on them and they almost make it back. And then like that round where I took Contreras, I really wanted Conforto or Donaldson or Moose. And Moose went three picks before me. Donaldson and Conforto went like seven or eight picks before me. So it's just frustrating because they all went in that same little run right before my You know what's going to happen too. It's Every just time. Like- Every time, especially in our positions, because we pick at the turns, and there's like tw- over twenty picks between our picks. So yeah, um, it's just you know, like pick pick the guy you want. You know, anyone else you're considering, they're long gone by the time next time. So at least it's a, uh, at least you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's it's it goes back into strategy. You know, you kind of you might have to reach sometimes, but you also sometimes get good things to fall to you. I think it's a little bit both. Like in the, in round two and three, I felt good value fell to me and in four, but then since round five, I feel like I've been kind of reaching a little bit because I have to plan ahead and think what I need more. So it's been 
good good solid start of players falling for value wise, and then a, it's been a run of like me kind of reaching, or so or so to speak, not maybe reaching, but falling into falling in, in into the ADP a little bit, just kind of taking best available, even if I don't really like them, just kind of I was like taking shots. So it is what it is. Yep. <laughs> and I think that's gonna do it, right? I mean, not much else to talk about right now. Yeah, that was our, that was episode one of uh, the Draft Champions podcast. Um, uh, we're going to be focusing a lot on the NFBC uh, and talking about um, these drafts and sleepers and such. Like I said, and um, next time I think uh, I think what we're going to talk about in the next podcast is some deep sleepers. Uh, what do you think? I'll, I'll plan for it then, definitely. Okay, yeah. So deep yeah, sleepers, so let's, let's, let's just quickly deep sleepers are going to be what outside the top three hundred of ADP. Uh, I'd say outside the top 400. Top 400? Oh, spicy. I like it. Yeah. I'd say top four, uh, outside the top 400. All right. We'll go. That's, that's deep, deep. We'll talk. I usually consider deep sleepers outside the top 300. So we'll step it up a notch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crack my fingers. There you go. That a boy. All right. <laughs> so um, again, Mike Curlin. Um, find him at uh, Mike underscore Curlin on Twitter. And um, I'm Zach Roto. Our um, our podcast uh, Twitter is uh, Draft Champagne because Draft Champions was already taken. So um, <laughs> I will see you guys next time. <laughs>